0: Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. I'm Rachel Moss, the host, and this is my co-host,
1: Mike Heitman.
0: You can learn more about our podcast at www.patreon.com slash operaunbound. (laughs) to another episode of Opera Unbound, and we have a very, very special guest today. Mr. President is here to tell us how to make opera great again. So please welcome President Trump.
1: Thank you so much, Rachel. Super excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this, as you know. Got the COVID. Came from China. Should have never happened. Nevertheless, still got it. I'm better than ever. I feel 20, 30... 40, years better, younger, it's just great. And I love opera. It's one of the things lots of people don't know about me, so I'm really excited to talk to you today.
0: We're glad to hear that you have recovered safely from COVID. Let's go to our first question. How did you get into opera?
1: Well, Rachel, you know, you would think I would be all about the arts and all that, and I am. You know, I, I lived in New York, I'm from Queens, and there's lots of stuff there, tons baseball, basketball, which are not arts, but they're very artistic in their own way. And they have Broadway. Everybody loves Broadway. And when I was going through my life, I love going to shows. And my friend was like, hey, have you ever heard of this show or this type of music? It's called opera. And I was like, of course. Yeah, of course. I always know everything. I know the best facts, best shows. He's like, you should come see this show with me. So we go to the show and it was called Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, great opera. But that's the thing. Fake news. Not an opera. okay. but still a good show. I fell in love with that kind of singing. It's a little different than, you know, traditional musical theater. But uh, I fell in love with it. And then I was like, well, maybe I should check out the Met and other things there. And that's what I did. And so now I I go whenever I can. I watch it on the streams. And yeah, I just love it.
0: Wow. That's surprising to hear. Most people do think that *Fan of the Opera is an opera, and it's not. And I also heard you say that you have some of the operas that you think are the best. So which operas do you think are the best operas?
1: Oh, okay. So there's so many. I mean, too many. Too many great ones. However... I do love The Pirates of Pendance, which I know not it is an opera, but it's kind of musical theater. Still hilarious. I mean, who doesn't love a show about pirates? Okay, we got this whole thing about Pirates of the Caribbean, multiple movies. Just makes sense. I love the show. Frederick, hilarious. So many great lines. Uh another show I love that's more on the dramatic side is Rigoletto. Okay. I'm a father myself. And Rigoletto really speaks to me. And in fact, he is one of the greatest fathers in the end. It doesn't really work out for him in that show. However, I still find him to be a very good character. And of course, the Duke, he's kind of a D-bag. But, you know, that's kind of par for the course for a lot of operas. My last one, actually, is Hansel and Gretel. I mean, it's so fantastic. And I will tell you, fantastical, right? You got all the... The candy at the end of the show. You got the woods. You got the prayer. You got them playing, you know, Hansel and Gretel doing the whole German thing. It's great. And, yeah, it's awesome music, and I really love it.
0: That's an interesting list. It's good. I would say those are good operas. And now for a more personal question. Which opera characters do you think are most like you, Mr. President? Oh,
1: <laughs> you know, I I knew this question was coming. I knew it. And the thing is, is that there's the characters that people think I am, which I'm probably not, or at least not completely, and then the ones that I actually think I am. Like, for example, a lot of people think that I'm like the Mikado, right? The Mikado, he's like a ruler. He's an emperor of Japan. He also thinks, as we know from his that he's a true philanthropist. Okay, that's true. We do have that in common. However, I'm not a person going around beheading people. Okay, that's not my thing. Also, not Japanese. That's a very important part of that. But a lot of people think I'm like him. In fact, there are even shows out there that, that are of the Mikado, which has got its issues in today's society, but they put it as if it's done at the White House. I mean, is that fair? I mean, is the fake news just telling these people how to do the shows just to sell tickets off of Trump? Like, that's ridiculous. It's unfair, unreal, unbelievable that they would do that kind of stuff. Now, also, a lot of people think I'm probably like Horace Tabor, right? Horace Tabor, Mm. he's a businessman. Mm -hmm. Ballad of Baby Doe. Leadville, Colorado. The great state of Colorado. I love it, love it, love it. He loves silver, which is very close to gold. As you know, lots of the stuff in Trump Tower, gold-plated. Yes, yes. Also, he kind of had some extracurricular activities, which... You know, not proud of everything I've done. However, that is a common link. Now, for the person who I think I actually am, and I know the the my haters, all the people on Twitter, the Twitterati, I call them, okay? They're going to say that I'm like those people. However, I think I'm most like Susanna. Yeah, Marriage of Figaro. Like, this woman is super smart. She just runs the whole show. She's got so much energy. I mean, maybe. May I'm not saying she does. But maybe if she had COVID, she probably would have came out just like me. She's a workaholic. She's great. Fantastic. Yeah, I share a lot in common with Susanna. And I think she's wonderful.
0: Great. Well, thank you for sharing which characters you think you're most like. One more question about specific operas. What are your favorite scenes from opera?
1: Oh, okay. So... First of all, one of my favorite shows that I didn't list earlier in the best shows, but it is still a great show, is Don Giovanni. Okay, I do have some characteristics with Don Giovanni. Not going to get into it. You can probably infer for yourself. But my favorite scene from that show is the Commendatore scene at the very end. Okay, that's where Giovanni finally gets his comeuppance as some might say. And one of my favorite versions is the one where the commendatore looks like he's in the blue man group. Okay, like, what was up with the makeup? He's supposed to be dead. How many dead people look like they're gonna go out there and beat drums? It doesn't make sense. However, still a great show. I also love the habanera in Carmen. I mean, Carmen, you want to talk about a beautiful woman. Oh, Carmen is beautiful. It doesn't even matter who plays her. She's always stunning, Gorgeous. Kind of reminds me of Melania. If you you want to know the truth, she's like Melania. If Melania was an opera singer, totally Carmen. Here's the thing, though. My favorite show, despite the fact that this thing is so long. It's like bigly long, okay? It's like forever. However, great show, is The Ring Cycle. My favorite moment in all of The Ring Cycle is in the Met version, where finally the stage opens up, and we see the big, vast tall beautiful wall in Valhalla okay it's enormous huge and it's just great I love it music's fantastic underneath and I mean who can beat the ride of the Valkyries am I am I right okay like it's just great music
0: wow you were really quite an opera aficionado I really had no idea
1: oh and here's the other thing Rachel I forgot to give you this you want to know my least favorite moment in opera absolutely or my least favorite opera it's a. Uh, nixon in china i mean why was richard nixon even there maybe he i'm not saying he was not saying he is but maybe just maybe i don't know maybe he he could have stopped covid then he went to china what was he doing there i mean he's kind of like hunter like what, what what's going on anyway least favorite moment nixon in china by far even though composer John Adams, very American name. He's got a lot of other great hits. That one, not so much in my book.
0: Okay, now let's move on. I want to talk more about the future of opera and specifically the future of opera in America. How would you, Mr. President, find and train the next great opera star?
1: See, this this is a great, great question. I really appreciate it. So here's the thing. In America, it's the greatest place on earth, full of opportunities if you're willing to work hard. Now, you got American Idol, you got The Voice, and America's Got Talent. We see opera singers on America's Got Talent. They don't really go that far. You could create an opera idol. That may work. May not. I don't know. What you should potentially do is, I mean, look at the education system. It's so flawed. It's horrendous, and yet they want to give it away for free. I'll never understand it and they're not giving them real skills, they could also do it much cheaper, get really focused attention and training. And then when they go off, they got way less debt, they're arguably better trained, and they're ready to rip, roar, and go. I think that would be a way better solution than what's currently going on.
0: Hmm. Okay, next question. How do you see opera and the performing arts being done in the future under the threat of COVID?
1: Well, look, hit here- Here's the deal, okay? We need to get back to normal, okay? This whole lockdown, the mask wearing, all this stuff, we all know it's temporary, okay? We got to get back to normal. We got to open up our economy. The thing is, is that if we want to have any any opera companies at all in our communities, we got to open up. They can't do it under these current restrictions, which I will tell you, mostly in Democrat-led states, okay, we know this. They're doing it for my, in my opinion, political reasons. As we get out of that, we just need to allow companies and citizens, not the government, to choose their own destiny and how they want to deal with it. You know, I want people to be safe. I want them to have as much freedom in their lives as they can. Like like I said earlier, I had COVID. It wasn't horrible, but it also wasn't great. And I came out of it. I'm not afraid. Okay? We have therapeutics, we have all these different options, so we just need to get back out there, let the American people do what they want to do, and trust them that they will make the, the right decisions for them.
0: Now, we know that opera companies have been struggling, and with the extra added pressure of the pandemic, how would you fix the money issues in classical Music and opera.
1: Well, Rachel, the money problem in opera—it's been poorly run for decades. Okay, it's like who is running these companies? Like, where are their financial people? There just needs to be new ideas, new blood in the water to help them drain the swamp that is these companies. I mean, look at these bigger ones. I—I'm not going to name names, but you know who I'm talking about. They have people in there that have been there forever. And look at where the company is. It's like, if you do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Am I right? Also, there's only... Let's just be real about this. This is a sheer math problem. Okay? There's only so many grants out there for these companies that come from the government. And you can only depend... On them and other sponsorships so much. So there's got to be a way that they can cut overhead or just make it more profitable by making opera more accessible. I mean, do we really need to have, like, I don't know, like Gucci bags as the purses for the the ladies on stage in the chorus? Like, that's that's ridiculous. I don't even know if that's happening. It might be. It might not. I do know, though, that budgets for costuming... And other things sometimes don't help the overall budget. And not only that, look at these venues that they're in. Why do they need these huge ones? Why can't they just have more opportunities to have performances instead of banking solely on like, I don't know, like four or five performances. Why not make it to where you could have more that are in smaller venues and make your money that way? It's just these people, I mean, they are the worst. They have like no business sense, in my opinion. And believe you me, I know how to make a deal. I know how to make money. And they clearly don't know how to do it.
0: The final question, the question that everyone is dying to hear your answer. How would you make opera great again?
1: Well, first of all, we need to realize opera at its very, very deep core is entertainment. It's not social justice warring. It's not necessarily having a particular slant or message. Okay. It's entertainment. Number one. That said, it can have a message. That's great if you can combine the both. But if it's not entertaining because you are going for a particular slant, no one's going to buy your product. OK, it's simple marketing, simple Business stuff. You need to find ways that you can get more butts in seats. It's really that simple. So, your marketing needs to be revolutionized. You know, Bernie talks about the revolution. He's like, hey, we need to get the, the revolution and then we need to do this and that. No, no, Bernie. Okay, that's not the revolution we're looking for. We need to get a revolution in the thinking of how opera companies can do what they need to do to get more money and more butts in seats. It's really that easy. We need to also find ways to make it, quote-unquote, less foreign. So what that means is that we need to make it popular. That's how we make it great again, and we can only make it great again if we have not only great performances, we have targeted marketing, we have all these different things that we aren't currently doing, either to the best of our ability or not at all but i know opera is amazing even though it started in italy it's just as powerful as any other art form in america and i know that americans will love it if and i say if these opera companies can use the american ingenuity that we've always had for decades for years that we have kept under the wraps for whatever reason in opera and just unleash it, like I have the economy, like I have in the comeback from COVID, if we can do that, we will make an opera great again. Even though it's already pretty great, we can make it even better and sustainable in the future. That is my firm belief.
0: Can I ask for a slight clarification on what you mean by less foreign? Do you mean that we need to do more American opera or we need to only have American artists involved? What What would you say?
1: Oh, that's that's a great question. So what I mean by that is Americans in general, they just see it as this weird thing from Europe. So it's a foreign thing, right? It's not that it happens to be. In Italian or German or whatever, that doesn't necessarily make it foreign, per se. What I mean is that it's an unknown. Now, of course, I agree with what you've you said in your other podcast. because believe me, I actually listen. A lot of people don't know that. I listen to the Opera Unbound podcast. It's great. And the thing is, is that, yeah, we need American opera, okay? We are just as talented as all the other people who have written operas before. There's no reason we can't do it. I mean... So if we had more American operas and we find ways through marketing, through our delivery, whether that's streaming, whether that's live performances on TV, whether that's just how we tweak it in our normal performances, it will become less foreign. Think about it, Rachel. Like. There are so many streaming services. You got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got Apple Apple TV, you got Hulu Plus Live TV, you have Sling, you have all these different things. Why don't we get opera on there? There's no reason we can't. They used to make opera movies. Like, we see stuff with Fischer-Dieskau and Pav and Domingo and Cheryl Milnes, like, from 20, 30 years ago. What happened to those? We just have all these things streaming from the Met. Those are just streams of live performances. But these other ones I'm talking about are, like, movie versions. Why can't we do that? Are are, are we really saying that we don't have the ability? Like, that? that's just, that's not American. We don't say no, okay? We innovate And we just go for it. So that's what I mean by not having it be perceived as being foreign. Because really, opera speaks to the heart, which is not a foreign concept, right? So if we can have it speak to their hearts and engage their minds, it's going to be way better. And it's going to get the rave reviews that we've all been wanting for. We can fix our money problem. We can fix our perception problem. We can fix so many things. And it will be fantastic. And I really think it could happen if we just make some tweaks.
0: Well, thank you, Mr. President, for giving us time out of your very, very busy day to give us advice on how to make opera better.
1: No problem. I I love opera. I'm really happy to do it. Thank you so much for having me. And go vote! You don't even have to necessarily vote for me. I think you should. However, go vote. Make your voice heard on November 3rd, okay? That's the last thing I got for you. Thanks so much, Rachel.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and requests, so leave us a comment below. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash operaunbound. You can help support the creation of this and much more content. For as little as three dollars a month like and subscribe to our channel and also follow us on instagram at opera unbound to stay updated ciao